wherever you are today as you listen to this message. My name is Tepo Mafata. I am a preacher and a service leader at Whitbank Baptist Church. It is an honor and a privilege for me to be here today to share the word of God with you. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verses 14 to 17. As I said, it is truly an honor and a privilege to share the word of God with you today. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity today to be able to share the word. Even during these times of lockdown, you have provided us with platforms that enable us to share your word, to share your word with each other, to share your word with the world, so that those that hear your word may repent and turn away from their sins and put their trust in Jesus Christ. May today's word be comforting to those that need comfort, and may today's word be convicting to those that need to be convicted. Father, help us all to understand your message. May everyone that watches and listens to this message hear you speak and not me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I said, let us turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 14 to 15. The main point, the main proposition of this sermon is that the word of God is what we must hold fast to in times of difficulty. The word of God is what we must hold fast to in times of difficulty. And just a little bit of a historical background to 2 Timothy, which will give us a context within which we can understand what our passage is saying to us today is that the second letter of Timothy was written by Paul probably around AD 67, AD 68. It is the last letter of what is called the pastoral letters. This includes 1 Timothy and Titus. Paul is in prison in Rome as he writes 2 Timothy. According to chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, he wrote the letter when he had already gone through his first trial and no one supported him. He clearly is expecting to die soon, according to chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse 6 and 18. He is probably thinking that his second trial, which was coming, will lead to his execution. The writing of the letter then can be placed during the period between Paul's release from imprisonment in Rome and his execution, which is most likely between AD 64 and 67, under the reign of Nero, who was the emperor in Rome. It appears from several references in the letter that Timothy is in Ephesus, as Paul writes 2 Timothy which is exactly where he was as well when Paul wrote 1 Timothy. According to Christian sources, Nero was the first emperor to persecute the Christians. He blamed the Christians for the fire, and a confession of Christianity was proof that you indeed are guilty. And if you rejected Christianity, if you became an apostate, meaning 
that if you rejected Christianity that you once professed, then you secured pardon. So if you confess Jesus Christ, you are guilty or you were guilty under Nero. But if you rejected Christ or if you stopped believing in Christ or if you stopped professing Christ, then that was enough to pardon you from persecution. He was the first of many Roman rulers to label the Christians as enemies of the state. The violent history of Rome's persecution of the church that began with Nero would continue for nearly 300 years. It is with this in mind that Paul is writing to Timothy and saying in chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, that just like he has faced persecution, talking about himself, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will also be persecuted. Paul is preparing Timothy for what is about to come and how he should handle it. Now looking at the immediate background of our passage today, Paul's mood, Paul's mood in 2 Timothy is utterly different from that in other two pastorals, like 1 Timothy and Titus. Paul had apparently been arrested again and had passed through preliminary hearing. And we can see this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. He expected to die soon. And we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, from verse 6 to 8. He had been treated unevenly by Christian friends. Some had sacrificed greatly to minister to him, and we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. Others, perhaps false brothers, had abused and deserted him, and we see this in 2 Timothy 4, verses 14 to 16. He was lonely, for most of his close friends had left on specific ministries. The problem in the church at Ephesus, where Timothy was, had worsened. There was widespread defection from commitment to Christ, and we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. The deceitful, meddlesome Hymenus, as, communic as communicated in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20, continued to spread his insidious teaching among the faithful like a disease. And we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 17 to 18. So although in in the first letter to Timothy, Hymenus was excommunicated. In 2 Timothy, Paul continues to say this Hymenus, who was excommunicated, he still continued to spread his insidious teachings among the faithful, among the faithful, like a disease. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, from verses 1 to 13, just before our passage for today, Paul commands Timothy that he must understand that in the last days there will come times of difficulty because of evil people and impostors or deceivers who especially work by trickery or persuasive speech. Paul goes on to give a detailed description of the characteristics of these evil people and impostors and their evil actions. 
these Paul gives in chapter 3 from verses 1 to 9. Paul, from verses 10 to 13, went on to tell Timothy that unlike these evil people and imposters, Timothy has followed Paul's teaching, conduct, aiming life, faith, patience, love, steadfastness, persecution, and suffering. By follow, this word follow, Paul meant that Timothy had paid special attention and adhered to the way Paul, Paul lived his life. One thing that Paul went through that Timothy saw was Paul's persecution and suffering. And Paul is saying that he is not the only one who will suffer. Timothy will face persecution and suffering as well because all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will also be persecuted. While the godly are being persecuted, evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. We can summarize then verses 1 to 13 of 2 Timothy chapter 3 by saying that Paul was telling Timothy that in the last days there will come times of difficulty because evil people and imposters will get worse, while godly people will be persecuted. All this background brings us to our passage for today. How must Timothy prepare and handle himself for the persecution and suffering that has come and will come? Turn once more with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. If you haven't got your Bible yet, get your Bible and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, which will be our passage for today. I have just given you the background, the historical background of 2 Timothy, and we've learned there that Paul was concerned about the persecution that was already there and was to come and was to continue for 300 years. And he, he, he brought to, to, to Timothy's attention that just like he suffered, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will also be persecuted. So Timothy can expect that he will also be persecuted because he also wants to live a godly life. So how then must Timothy prepare and handle himself for the persecution and suffering that has come? And will continue to come. The main point of the sermon is that the word of God is what we must hold fast to in times of difficulty. The word of God is what we must hold on to. It was what we must grab onto. It, it's what we must hang our hope on in times of difficulty. Turn your Bibles again if you have not to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And let us read from verse 14 to 17. In fact, let us start from verse 10 so that we can have context. And I am reading. You, however, and you here is Timothy. You, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness 
my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I have divided this sermon into three main points. The command to abide in the word. Secondly, the reason for abiding in the word. And thirdly, the power of the word of God. For those that like to take notes, I'm going to repeat this. The sermon is divided into three main points. The first one is the command to abide in the word. Secondly, the reason for abiding in the word. And thirdly, the power of the word of God. Let us look at the first main point, the command to abide in the word. And I just want to read the first portion of verse 14. And it reads, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. The word but at the beginning of the verse indicates to us that what Paul was about to say to Timothy was in contrast with what he had just said. More specifically, was in contrast with the evil people and imposters who were deceiving and being deceived and getting from bad to worse. The word continuing the verse is a command which also means to keep on doing what you have already started and was doing already. And the word means to remain in, to persist or to stay. Paul was commanding Timothy, in light of the evil people and impostors, not to follow them, but to rather continue in what he has learned and had firmly believed. Since the command is to continue, this means that Timothy was already on this path, but Paul wanted him to move away from this. Paul wanted him not to move away from this path and follow the evil people and imposters. The word land still in this verse means to gain knowledge by being taught. And the words have firmly believed means to be sure of something because of its reliability, also to come to believe something to be true. So therefore, what Paul was commanding Timothy was that Timothy was not to follow the deception of evil people and imposters, but he must continue in the knowledge that he was taught and the knowledge 
that he had come to trust and believe to be true and reliable. Timothy had come to a point where he believed what he was taught. Timothy had come to a point where he trusted what he was taught. Timothy had come to a point where he knew that what he was taught was reliable. All that Paul did was to command him not to disregard what he has already trusted, what he has already believed, what he, what he knew was reliable, and follow the deception and lies of evil people and imposters who will come in the last days. This will cause Timothy to be persecuted and to suffer. But despite this, Timothy must not move away from the knowledge that he was taught. Just as an illustration, Paul was, just as an illustration, a deception is often something that looks good on the outside and makes great promises. But on the inside, you find it is empty and there is really not much to it. Most of us, at some time or other, have bought into an empty deception. You will ask me how. We put our money into a machine and push the button for a bag of potato chips that, judging from the appearance of the package, looked as if it were full of chips. When the bag comes out and when we open it, it turns out to be mainly full of air and contains only a few chips. If we had examined the bag closely before making the purchase, we would have seen it as an empty deception. We would have realized that the bag of potato chips is not full, but it's half full. And we've all seen this. We've all said, that's a deception. It makes you think it's full when it is not. Paul was warning Timothy about these deceptions that were brought about by these evil people and imposters. And in application, Timothy was faced with a deception from evil people and imposters. Timothy, despite all knowledge that he was taught, ran the risk of being manipulated by these deceptive people. Paul commanded him to be loyal to what he was taught and not to follow the deception of these people. Paul commanded him to be loyal to what he knows is true and reliable. Being loyal to what he has learned would bring Timothy persecution and suffering. So if Timothy chooses to be loyal to what he has always trusted, to be loyal to what he knew to be true, to be loyal to what he knew to be reliable, that will bring him persecution. The question to you this morning is that, do you believe that the word of God to be true and reliable? Do you believe that? Do you believe the word of God to be true and reliable? Have you come to realize that nothing else is true and reliable except the word of God. If you do not believe that the word of God is the only truth that is reliable, then I'm afraid that you have been deceived by the world. The world and its evil, anti-God system, has captured your mind and have caused you 
to believe what is false. Instead of persecuting you, the world loves you because you are one of them. On the other hand, if you do believe that the word of God is accurate, it is the truth, it is reliable, it is dependable, then you are in the minority. You will face persecution. You will suffer as a result. It will come at a great cost even to your life. This verse commands us, despite possible persecution and suffering, not to move away from the word of God as the only truth that is reliable. This verse commands us, despite possible persecution and suffering, to be loyal to the word of God as the only truth that is well grounded. This verse commands us, despite possible persecution and suffering, not to be deceived by evil people and imposters. Let us not believe what these imposters say, even if it brings persecution and suffering, but let us rather believe that the word of God, that we know to be trustworthy and dependable. It is only through his word and what God communicates with us. It is only through his word that we will know what God's, God's will is for us because only those who do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom of God. Therefore, it is wise rather that we remain loyal to the word of God despite possible persecution and suffering instead of being moved away through deception by evil people and imposters. We should not fear evil we should not fear evil people and imposters, but we should guard ourselves from being deceived by being loyal to the word of God that we know to be accurate and authentic. We should rather fear God who is to judge all of us. This is what Jesus said in Luke 12, verses 4 to, 4 to 5. Don't turn there, I'll just read it for you. Jesus said, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Let us look at the second main point. And that point is the reason for abiding in the word. This main point has two subpoints, namely, in other words, I have divided these main points into two. And the first subpoint is the character of teachers. The second one is the source of the teaching. Let us look at the first subpoint, and that is the character of the teachers. Read with me 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let us read the second part of verse 14. And it reads, and it's very short, knowing from whom you learned it. Knowing from whom you learned it. And let us stop there. Having commanded Timothy to continue in what he was taught and had come to believe to be true and reliable, Paul then went on to give Timothy reasons why he must continue in what he has been taught. Paul gives him two reasons. The first reason is that Timothy must know from whom he had learned the knowledge of what he was taught. 
Timothy must continue in the knowledge of what he was taught, must continue to believe what he was taught to be true and reliable because of the character of those that taught him. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 and 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 gives us a clue as to who these people are, are who these people are, whose characters Timothy was to base his continuing to believe in what he was taught on. Timothy might use as a reason to continue in the knowledge that he was taught. The characters of those that taught Timothy, when Timothy looks at them, that must give him a reason to continue in the knowledge that he was taught. Let us read both these verses. First one is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, and it reads, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. And now, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And here, Paul again is speaking to Timothy. He says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It is probably Timothy's grandmother and mother and Paul himself that Paul is referring to when he speaks about Timothy having to look at the characters of those that taught him as the basis upon, whom, upon which he can continue to trust in what he was taught and in what he has come to believe as reliable and true. These are the people who are most likely to have taught Timothy. In fact, Paul confirms himself as one of those who taught Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, where he clearly states that Timothy has followed him. Paul says to Timothy, look at the character of those who taught you, and their character will give you good enough reasons to continue in what you have learned and have come to believe to be true and reliable. The character of those who taught Timothy verifies the trustworthiness and the dependability of the knowledge that he was taught. In other words, the teaching is as good as its teachers. But that is only the first reason. Let us look at the second subpoint and see the second reason why Timothy must continue in what he has learned. And the second point is the source of the teaching. And read with me 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first part of verse 15. And it reads, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Not only must Timothy rely on the character of his teachers as proof of the trustworthiness and dependability of what he was taught, but he must also continue in what he had learned because he had come to realize that what he was taught is in line with the sacred writings 
There is the scriptures. There is the word of God. The scriptures themselves that has been taught, that he has been taught, Timothy, from childhood, has, and he has come to know, also verifies that which he has been taught to be true and reliable. In other words, what Paul and others have taught Timothy is in accordance with the scriptures, with the word of God, that Timothy has come to know since he was a child. Because what he has been taught is in line with scriptures, that in itself, that in itself verifies that Timothy can continue in what he has learned. So two things, reasons that Paul gave Timothy to hold fast to what he was taught, to continue in what he was taught, was taught despite persecution and suffering that had come and will continue to come. The first thing that he must look at, the first reason that gives him the basis to trust in, to continue in, to hold on to what he was taught, is the characters of the teachers. The characters of the teachers itself gives Timothy good enough reason for Timothy to continue to rely on, trust on the word that, that he was taught. And the second reason is that what he was taught by these teachers is in line with the word of God, is in line with scriptures. And since scriptures themselves are trustworthy, that means Timothy can rely on what he was taught because what he was taught is in line with the scriptures. Those are the two reasons that Paul was giving Timothy. Firstly, look at the characters of those that taught you. And secondly, notice that what you were taught is in line with the scriptures. Those two should give you good enough reason to continue in what you have been taught and not to follow the imposters and the deceivers and the evil people. And in application, the character of the teacher either proves what, is, what he is teaching to be true and dependable or it proves it to be false and trustworthy. Knowledge pertaining to life and morality is only true and dependable in as far as it accords or is in line with scriptures, with the word of God. The message of those who claim to be teaching the word of God can be measured in two ways. So now, in application, we have two ways of measuring what is being taught us today, what by those who say they are teaching us the word of God. And here are the two ways that we can use to measure. Here is a tool that we can use to test whether the message that we are hearing is true, is reliable, and is dependable. Firstly, by the character. In other words, how the they behave, how those that are teaching us are behaving, and how their lives are. First test, look at the character of the person that is teaching you. Look at how they live their lives. That in itself will either confirm for you that 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 they are teaching is true, is reliable, and is dependable. Or that that they are teaching 
is false and not trustworthy. Paul mentioned some of the things about his life that Timothy followed. And he did this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 10 to 11. And these are also some of the things that we need to look for in the character of those who claim to be teaching the word of God. And those are conduct, how they conduct their lives, their aim in life, their patience, their love, their steadfastness, steadfastness, their persecution and suffering for the faith, etc. The character is obviously not limited to the ones that I've just listed now, but it's at least a good start. We must look at the character of the teacher and that will verify the trustworthiness and the dependability of their message. Second test. We test the message by how in accordance or in line with scripture the message is. If the message is not in line with the word of God, then the message is false. If the message is in line with the word of God, then the message is true and reliable. How are you evaluating the message of those who claim to be preaching the word of God? How does your method of evaluation compare to the method that Paul gave to Timothy? Most people judge or evaluate the message based on how they feel when they hear the message. If it makes them feel good, then it is true. If it makes them feel bad, then it is not true. Paul, however, gives us a different method. And that method is not based on feelings, but on the character of the teacher and the Bible. Using the method of Paul to evaluate the message of our preachers today, most of these so-called men of God, their message today will completely fail the test. Most will fail on both character of the preacher and on whether their message is in line with the Bible or not. I urge you, therefore, my brothers and sisters, I urge you to use the method of evaluation that Paul has given us here to test the message of your favorite preacher, including myself, and see whether they pass the test. Those who fail the test, including myself, avoid them, as they can only succeed in deceiving you. If they fail the test, their message is false. It really does not matter how the preacher makes you feel. Your feelings are irrelevant. What counts is whether the message passes the test or not. If however, and please notice, if however the message of your favorite preacher or preachers fail the test and you still continue to listen to them, despite what Paul is saying here, then that preacher has become your idol. That means you are no longer saving God, but your preacher. This is a dangerous place to be, since you and your teacher will end up in hell and finally in the lake of fire. Now let us look at the third main point. And it is the power of the word of God. 
Read with me 2 Timothy chapter 3, the second portion of verse 15, all the way up to 17. And it reads, Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. At the first look, at the first look at this passage, it would seem as if Paul is going on a tangent here, or is moving away from his message by starting to look to speak about the scriptures. But on closer look, Paul is giving a further support as to why the scriptures can serve as a basis upon which Timothy can test whether the message that he has learned is true and dependable. And the first thing is that these scriptures that serve as a way to evaluate or judge the truthfulness and the reliability of what Timothy has learned are able to make one wise for salvation through Jesus Christ in opposition to the message preached by evil people and imposters, scripture or the Bible or the word of God is able to make one wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. Scripture's ability to lead to salvation stands in opposition to, to the teaching of evil people and imposters and their message will only lead you to hell. But what does it mean that scripture is able to make one wise for salvation through Jesus Christ? This means the scripture are able to cause a person to develop understanding to a relatively sophisticated degree. It means the scriptures are able to teach or instruct someone about something. In this case, they are able to make you wise for salvation. This means the scriptures is able to teach or instruct you in such a way that leads to that leads to or result in your salvation. The result of developing understanding coming from scriptures is that you can get saved. Here is the thing. The scriptures can only make you wise unto salvation through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Scriptures cannot lead you to salvation. Therefore, Scripture brings understanding that leads to salvation through Jesus. And this is one way that Timothy can know and rely on Scriptures to evaluate or judge if the message that he had been taught was true and reliable. Not only that, Timothy can also rely on Scriptures as a method by which to evaluate or judge what he has been taught because of the source and usefulness of the scriptures. So not only is Timothy to rely on scriptures because they can lead you to understanding, they, they lead you to salvation, they can give you understanding that leads you to salvation through Jesus Christ. That's not the only reason. The second reason is based on the source and usefulness of those very same scriptures. scriptures. By the source, I'm referring to where the scriptures originate or come from. 
Paul told Timothy the scripture is breathed out by God. And that means it comes directly from the mouth of God. Every word, every verse, every paragraph, every comma, every dot, all scripture comes from the mouth of God. Paul was telling Timothy that you can depend on scripture to be the tool to be used to evaluate the message you have been taught because it comes directly from the mouth of God. It does not get any more better than that. When you are using scripture to evaluate or judge a message, you are using a tool that comes directly from God and you can be rest assured that it is a good tool and there is no better tool. If the message is not in line with scriptures, then it is not in line with what God has directly provided. And therefore, that message does not come from God, finish and clear. Not only is scripture able to make you wise unto salvation, not only does it come directly from God, but it is also profitable or useful. Scripture is useful for teaching. Scripture is useful for reproof, and that means it is useful for refuting error, for exposing error, or for convincing someone of sin. It covers a range of activities, all related to the process of making someone aware of sin, which begins with the educative act designed to produce self-awareness of sin and proceeds to the more immediate disciplinary stage of calling one up short for some specific misbehavior. And finally, reach a point where the reproof is so harsh that it becomes punitive. The purpose is to make one aware of sin and lead to change in behavior. Scripture is also useful for correction. That is, if reproof is negative, then correction is positive, aiming at the goal of recovery. Correction is showing someone what the right path is and helping them walk that path. Lastly, scripture is useful for training, and that is providing guidance, imparting education. But this is not just any training. This is training in righteousness. That is in living according to to God's standard. Here's the thing. All this teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness is done so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The usefulness of scripture leads to the man of God being complete, equipped for every good work. What this means is that scripture is useful so that the man of God can be ready for service or made adequate or made fully qualified so that he can be well fitted or able to meet the demands for every good work. And this is now the third reason for Timothy to can rely on scripture as a tool for evaluating or judging what he has been taught. In summary, Timothy can rely on scripture as a tool that he can use to evaluate or judge whether the message that he was taught by Paul and others 
is a message that he can continue to believe as true and reliable because scripture is able to lead to salvation through Jesus. Scripture comes directly from the mouth of God. Scripture is useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that the man of God can be fully qualified and well-fitted and able to meet the demands for every good work. In summary, as times of difficulty arrive in the last days, and as evil people and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, Paul commanded Timothy that he must continue in what he has been taught and has come to believe that it is true and reliable, despite persecution and suffering, because Unlike the character of evil people and imposters, the character of those that taught Timothy verifies that what he has learned is true and reliable. And not only that, he must continue in what he has been taught and has come to believe that it is true and reliable, despite persecution and suffering, because what he has been taught by Paul and others unlike what the evil people and imposters are teaching, is in line with the scriptures. Then Paul gave three reasons why Timothy can rely on scriptures. Scripture is able to lead to salvation through Jesus. Scripture comes directly from the mouth of God. Scripture is useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God can be fully qualified and well-fitted and able to meet the demands for every good work. And in application, what this passage is teaching us is that in times of suffering and persecution, we can rely on the word of God as contained in the Bible because it comes directly from God. We can fully trust what is contained in the Bible. We can use the Bible as a tool to evaluate and judge messages that we receive. Those messages that are not in line with the Bible, we can reject them. We can rely in the Bible as a means to bring us to salvation and to equip us for every good work. In times of persecution and suffering, the Bible is what we need to hold on to. Do you trust the word of God? as contained in the Bible? Do you believe that it was written by human beings and therefore cannot be trusted? Do you believe that the Bible contains contradictions? Where the Bible contradicts your tradition and culture, do you reject the Bible and trust in your tradition and culture? If I'm describing you, then I hope that this message has made you realize that it is the word of God that you should trust and hold on it is the word of God that is reliable and true. It is the word of God and not your traditions and culture that bring you salvation. It is the word of God that can qualify you to do God's work. It is the word of God that you can rely upon during difficult times. It is time then that you repent from your ways and embrace the word of God as the ultimate truth. It is time to submit your traditions and cultures to the word of God and test them for validity. 
Only take from your traditions and cultures what the Bible does not contradict, and the rest reject. It is time to rely on and trust what the Bible says and obey. Difficult times are coming, and difficult times are here, and the Bible is all you have to test all the messages that come your way. Some of the messages that come your way might make you feel very good. Some might even motivate you. Some might even bring you good things in your life. But if those messages are not in line with what is contained in the Bible, you must reject them. The Bible must be your ultimate test of truth. In conclusion, I sought through this message to let us all learn what Paul commanded Timothy to do when faced with difficult times. Where evil people and imposters go from bad to worse. Where suffering and persecution of Christians becomes a norm. I hope this message has strengthened you to ensure that you can rely on the word of God no matter what. You can use the Bible as your ultimate truth and tool that you use to judge all other messages. May this word find a suitable, already prepared heart and may it multiply in your heart and result in godly fruits. Amen. I hope that you have learned from the message of today. I hope that you will cherish the message that you have learned today and you will apply this in your life and that others may see a change in behavior that from the time that you started to trust the word of God, your life has changed. You have rejected falsehood. You have rejected those that bring falsehood. And now you trust only in Jesus Christ. Have a blessed day.